0: Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org message. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us today. You may be joining us at our online campus or one of our physical campuses, and it's great to be with you. And as we wrap up this series called Spoiler Alert, let me ask you, how many of you found yourself early on, possibly in the stay-at-home order, watching a little bit more television? You know, my wife and I found some time to go ahead and look at some what were new to us, at least, shows. They weren't new um, by any means, but, you know, we went back and forth on a few, and then finally we decided on one that we could both agree on. Now imagine how difficult that was. It's called Poldark. And during that, we watched um, actually several episodes. We got into episode, um, really, uh, number two of season number two. And while we did, the main character, Ross Poldark, was going to be executed. And as he was being taken to the gallows, I reassured my wife, it's okay. He's not going to die. Which she wondered, well, how do you know that? I said, because he's the main character. They cannot kill off the main character. And besides that, his face is on every episode of every season all the way to the last one. And then I looked at her and I said, but I do know who is going to die. Do you want to know? She's like, how do you know that? I said, because I went ahead and looked at the spoilers of the next season. So with that, she's like, no, I don't want to know. And I thought, no, what she really does, but I'm not going to spoil this for her. You know what? I like to know things well in advance before they happen. So I have no problem with spoilers. God gives us spoiler alerts. He tells us ahead of time what's going to happen before it happens. In fact, we see this over 300 times in the New Testament itself. Talk about the end times. We see also that 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament, each of them speak to the second coming of Jesus Christ. We're well familiar with the first coming, but the second coming, not so much. If that's something that intrigues you, and maybe you weren't here with us back in in week number two of this series, I'd encourage you to go back online and take a look at how God talks about Jesus is coming again. But when it comes to spoilers we have to realize that there's a purpose behind them, and there's actually three main things that we get from them. They give us insight and understanding, they bring hope, and they impact our lives right here and right now. In other words, what we do now matters for eternity. And so God gives us these spoilers ahead of time. Once again, you will see how each of those things happen when the spoilers we are going to look at today are revealed. Before we do that, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, I ask that you'd help us. You've given us the end before it's even come so that we can benefit from it and we can be prepared for it. I pray for each of us, Lord, that you'd help us to be able to seek you in a greater way because of what we learned today. God, what you've revealed to us in advance, that sometimes it's hard for us to understand and sometimes it's hard for us to believe because we have not experienced it yet. But God, to look at it as the truth that you and your love give to us ahead of time so that it may change our lives. We praise you, we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. You know, the first spoiler I want to look at is this. Everyone, and I mean everyone, will give an account. You see, God speaks to two different seats, two distinct purposes, and every one of us will find ourselves standing before one of these two seats. The first one he talks about is called the great white throne. Even though it's not white, this is our our white throne. I want you to envision that. The other is going to be what's called the bema seat. God talks about them in two different places. One of them is is a book that we would think that we probably need to go to when it's talking about the end times. The book of Revelation talks about the great white throne. Let me read its description. In Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse number 11, let me encourage you to grab a Bible right now or or download, if you haven't, the U version Bible app on your phone and take some time to go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 20, and beginning in verse number 11, it says this. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and each person was judged according to what they had done then death and hades were thrown into the lake of fire the lake of fire is the second death anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire we'll see that there's several different characteristics or descriptions that differentiate these two seats the great white throne is for unbelievers It calls them the dead because they're still dead in their sin. Their sins have not been forgiven. And so they are condemned, and it's made to condemn unbelief. You know what unbelief is? Unbelief is simply, as we learned last week, it's the rejection of the light that has been given to us by God. It's a rejection saying, I don't need forgiveness of my sins. It's rejecting Jesus, and so that's what will be judged at the great white throne. It results in a separation from God for all eternity, and then there's an action that's required now to avoid that, and that's to believe and to receive Jesus. That's the step if you find yourself headed towards that great white throne judgment. Every And any one of us can believe and receive Christ's forgiveness. No one needs to be exempt from it. But it must happen in this lifetime before the great white throne judgment. Because when the great white throne judgment takes place, it's too late to make that decision. We need to believe and receive here and now. There's another seat, as I mentioned, that we learn about. It's called the Bema seat, and you might be saying, "The what, Bema?" You know, you might be frantically looking through your Bible, saying, "Where do I find Bema?" You won't find the word Bema because Bema is actually not an English word. It's a Greek word, is what it is, and with that Greek word, it's translated the judgment seat. And so, as we have a different judgment seat than the Great White Throne judgment. There's a differentiation here as well. And we see it talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. And it tells us again that everyone that is a believer is going to stand before this judgment seat. And it calls it this way, or it says it this way. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So major differentiation here between the Bema seat and the great white throne. You see, Bema simply just means it's a raised platform that a judge would find themselves on. And so the Bema seat, the judgment seat, is for believers, those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And it's meant to evaluate or to examine our works, to give account for the works we've done in this world, both good and bad but it results in rewards for the good that we've done. And the action that's required is not believe and receive because we've already done that, but the action that's required is to be faithful with what God has given us. So just a little review, just to be able to see the differences between these two. The Bema seat, or sorry, the the great white throne is for unbelievers to condemn unbelief. It results in a separation from God. And the action that you need to take right now is to believe and receive Jesus Christ's forgiveness of your sin. Whereas the Bema seat is different. You don't want to be at the great white throne judgment. You need to avoid it at all costs. You want to be at the Bema Seat, even though you might be saying, I don't want to be judged, but it's a judgment so that you can receive rewards for what you've done in this life. You do want to be at the Bema Seat of Christ, but the Bema Seat is for believers to evaluate works in order to receive the rewards, but the action required now is faithfulness. So let's talk about that just for a moment. Faithfulness. At first, you might think that faithfulness is a hard thing to judge, but it's really not, is it? You know what? We do it all the time. In fact, you might be thinking a little bit of, you know what? How? Well, Luke chapter 16, verse number 10, tells us this. It says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with With much. How is faithfulness recognized in us? It's the same way that we recognize it in another person. You see, what happens in life is this we give another person something valuable, something valuable to us, and we see what they do with it. If they're responsible and they take care of it, we give them more or we reward them for that. But, If we give something to another person that's valuable to us and they are irresponsible with it, they don't take care of it, they don't show faithfulness, then we are reluctant to give them any more because the trust has been broken. You know, in high school, I had a friend who made a very concerted effort that if he borrowed something from you, he would give it back to you in better condition than what he received. it. For example, if he would borrow your car, he would make sure that that car came back with a full tank of gas. Teenager, take note of that. Think about how your parents would treat you if when you borrowed their car, you brought it back with more gas in it than what you took it in. It's going to end up in greater trust, greater reward. If you borrowed, or if he borrowed a dollar for lunch to get a soda, he would come back with $1.50, not just a dollar. He wanted to make sure that you understood that he was going to be faithful with whatever you gave to him and that he could be trusted. That's the same way that God is looking at us. What do we do with what God has loaned us in this life? It matters for eternity. Let me say that again. What we do with what God has given us in this life, it matters for all eternity. Think about that. Everything that you've received is only on loan to you. The simple proof of it is this. You came into this world with nothing, and you're going to leave this world with nothing. And so knowing that, everything that you have is on loan to you. And God is looking at how you're using, how you are managing what was given to you. And so faithfulness, what it does is it produces trust. And trust then brings about reward. And that's what God's saying with the Bema seat, is that he's going to take, and he's going to look at how faithful you've been with the things that have been on loan to you, and he's going to reward you as a result of that. So I find that, that those things actually fall into one of three key categories, three key areas where God is looking for our faithfulness. They're all the three T's of faithfulness. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. God uses every single one of those, our time, our talent, and our treasure, to see how faithful we are going to be in this life. And it will impact eternity. And so with that, at the Bema, all works are going to fall into two different types, combustibles called wood, hay, and stubble, and non-combustibles, which God defines as gold, silver, and precious stones. If we go back to that book, 1 Corinthians, it's actually the first letter. We looked at the second one that a man named Paul wrote to a group of Christians in a place called Corinth. And he begins to describe this Bema seat in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 11. He says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's a belief of faith in Jesus Christ. It says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. But yet, they will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. He says, What we do with our time, our talents, with our treasure matters for eternity. So what would be those works, and and how would they matter? Because it's both. It's both the actual act, but it's the why behind that act, the reasoning for what we're doing. For example, maybe you've started reading your Bible, or maybe not yet, but it's something that, that you want to do. And if you're reading your Bible to get to know God, that's gold. Now take it. Take your time and designate a portion of it to read even more. Maybe you're reading the verse of the day along with us in the Version app. Maybe expand that to reading a full chapter a day. That's gold. But if you're still in that place saying, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to get to know God, but we have time for Netflix. I'm not bashing Netflix. But if that comes before knowing God, then there's going to be a lack of a reward for something like that. Maybe it's going to church. You know what? It's good to go to church, isn't it? But if I'm going to church because I want to know God and help others know him, that's pure gold. That's silver. That's those precious stones that we're laying up in heaven, those treasures, those those rewards. But if I'm going to church to check off a requirement, that's straw. That's wood. That's something that's going to turn to ash. You see, the motive behind it matters. Think about our treasure. If you use your treasure just to bring you happiness and joy and you spend it all on yourself, that's wood. Hey, straw. But if you use your treasure, a portion of that treasure, to show others love so they can hear the message of Jesus, that's gold. Sometimes that gold, silver, precious stone is a simple act of obedience. Doing exactly what Jesus wants us to do. One of the things that he asks us to do that we've got coming up here in just a week is believer's baptism. Have you ever been baptized as a believer? Not talking infant baptism, but I'm talking, have you been baptized after you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know that's something that he asks of every single Christ follower? He says, I want you to go public with your faith with believer's baptism. You know what? You don't want to stand before the Bema seat and have Jesus ask you, were you afraid to go public with your faith? We don't want to be standing there. And so disobedience, obviously, will be something that does not get rewarded. There will be loss rather than reward. And so what is it for you that God's putting on your heart that he wants you to be able to stand before him so he can say, great job, well done. Because what you decide now, it will impact for eternity. But let me make sure that you realize this. The judgment for the believer is not condemnation. It's not a sentence to separation from God forever in hell. It never can be, never will be. You see, the sins of a believer, they've been paid for by Jesus when he died and he rose again. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1 actually tells us this, where it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus those who have received Jesus Christ as their savior, there is no condemnation. Even this judgment is going to be a separating out of the things that we've done in this life. Not for punishment, but actually for reward. So knowing that, spoiler alert, everyone will give an account. Are you ready to give an account? There's another spoiler that every one of us needs to be reminded of that I just want to touch on briefly. Remember how I told you about how confident that I was because I knew the end of the story. I knew that Ross Poldark could not be executed at the gallows. There was no way I was confident, maybe even a little over the top arrogant about it. But I knew that he couldn't because I knew the end of the story already. Are you ready for this one? This is one that every one of us needs to hear. And again, that every single one of us needs to know with great confidence. And that spoiler alert is this, Jesus wins. You have to remember that Jesus wins. Did you hear that? Never forget, Jesus wins. As we were getting ready, setting up for the Muskego campus to open, a good friend of mine, Jeff, was there. And he had a t-shirt that caught my eye. I thought, that's pretty cool. I kind of liked the way that it looked. And it said this, YOLO, LOL, JK, BRB, Jesus. And at first you may be like me and I thought, no, that's a cool shirt, but I have no idea what it meant. I'm told it's because I'm old and mature. But if you find yourself in that same place, maybe ask your kids or your grandkids what it is. So Jeff began to explain to me, YOLO, you only live once. Laugh out loud, just kidding. I'm gonna be right back, Jesus. You know what? We need that reminder, don't we? Because we need a confidence. We need a confidence that Jesus has won the victory already. He secured it. And I need that reminder because this time, this short blip of time that we call life, can be very defeating. And if we live this life as if there is no eternal life, we are going to be defeated. If we live this life as if Jesus is not coming back and he does not have the victory, then we're going to think that Satan has the victory. And we're going to live in that defeat. And so we need to live a life. A life that is focused on Jesus. That he has won the victory. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave and he's coming back again. And he's doing that so that we can be with him for all eternity. So when Jesus returns, will you be ready to meet him? If not, are you ready to do something about that right now? Have you believed and received? Because you don't want to stand before the great white throne judgment. You do not want to be there. So in a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer if you'd like to believe and receive Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. If you're here and you're a believer already, You will stand before the Bema Seat. And you want to be able to stand before that Bema Seat and receive the rewards of gold, silver, and precious stones. And a well done, great job from Jesus himself. But what is your next step of faithfulness? How are you going to make a decision to change and make adjustments to your time, to take some of the treasure that God has given to you on loan to enhance someone else's life and to help them to understand the love of Jesus Christ. And to take the talents that God has already given to you and to use them, to use them to a point where others will see who Jesus is and want to know him as well. I'm going to encourage you wherever you're at, believer or not believer yet, and to make that next step, even as we pray right now. To pray with God, help us. Help us to not fear what's going to happen, but to be reminded that you gave us these spoilers, that we're all going to give an account, and that you win in the end for our confidence, for our help, and so that we make the adjustments in this life to where we're abiding in you. God, I pray you'd help each of us with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here, listening today, and you're in that place, and you would say, I don't want to stand before the great white throne judgment. I do not want to. And you're ready to believe and receive. And I want you to do that right now. Just let God know that that's the desire of your heart. You might pray something like this. Dear God, I understand that it's my unbelief, that, it, that it's my not coming to you, to the light that I've received that will cause me to be separated from you. And I don't want that to happen. And so right now, I'm trusting that Jesus Christ died for me, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and that he's coming again so that I can be saved. Right now, I want to accept Jesus Christ, receive him as my Savior. If you're here and you're a believer, you'd say, you know what? I understand. I'm going to stand before God at the Bema seat to be able to have my works examined, not for my salvation, but so that Jesus can say, great job. Well done. You've done well with the little that I've given to you, and I want to reward you for that. But I have a decision to make. I have a change that needs to be made. I want to encourage you to bring that to God right now and then share it with someone else as well so they might be able to help you and to live that out. Lord God, give us the strength to make the changes that we need in our lives. We praise you. We thank you for being our God. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I want to leave you with these final words that you'll see at the very end or close to the end of Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 12. It's Jesus' own reminder to us. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Thanks for being here with us today. Hope to see you next week. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.